Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is show. This is episode. 68 of the show where geeks get together to talk about God. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. And we have a special guest today, Mike. Coming to us from the wonderful podcast of Rolling Dice and Taking Names, we have Marty Connell, who has been very gracious so far with our technical and timing ridiculousness. Hey, I do, I do a podcast on my own. I know exactly how technical <laughs> issues run. Everybody out there thinks it's all just fun and games. Oh no, there's blood, there's sweat, there's tears, there's computers flying through the room. Well, maybe not. <laughs> but or, or not. Sometimes we wish, at least. Yeah, they're expensive, man. I don't throw mine as far as I would want to. I have kids. Mine does occasionally get thrown. Uh, generally not <laughs> intentionally, though. Uh, so, uh, Marty, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your show, about what it, the Dice Tower is. I think we've certainly mentioned it on the show before, but since, you know, you're the real deal, I feel like we're stepping up in quality and class here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the real deal or not, but uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I'm part of a show called Rolling Dice and Taking Names. We started back in December 2012, me and my co-host, uh, Tony, and uh, we basically started the show with the idea of just having a, a couple game uh, a couple guys who really love games just having casual conversations about games there are so many other great shows out out there that uh, really know the stuff about their games and really go into a good job of of giving really detailed reviews and talk about game mechanics we're just a couple guys that just enjoy playing and we thought well why don't we just like turn on the mic one time and just see what happens like it's just like a couple guys sitting across on the table just talking about games they just played and so that was kind of the concept, and it's kind of grown from there. And uh, about uh, three or four months into it, we uh, approached Tom Vassell from the Dice Tower about being a part of their network. And uh, we kind of met their criteria, and we got on there, and we, we kind of took off from there. <laughs> and a few years later, now you're having interviews with Richard Launius on your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> well, we, we kind of got that because, you know, the guy, the guy who, well, that came from... Um, Richard Launius and a friend of ours who lives here locally, Robert Burke, just designed a game together called Draco Magi that's now currently on Kickstarter. So we kind of got to Richard through him. However, Tony will, you know, drop a name and say, yeah, well, I talked to Richard at Gen Con last year. He remembered <laughs> me. So, Hey, I, having been to Gen Con now, I'm not going to lie. There are times when people, like, I'm still in contact with them through emails and stuff and talking about, like, yeah, looking forward to seeing you again this year. Like, I was talking to, we had... Uh, the absolute joy to interview Barbara Ann Blackburn, uh, wife of, of Jolly, and all all the Kenzer crew and all that. And Barbara Ann's like, yeah, looking forward to seeing you again at Gen Con. I go, you know me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you know, you got to think about it this way. There's not a lot of reward to podcasting. So if we can't at least name drop every once in a while, like if I can't mention that I've interviewed people like Michael Stackpole and R.A. Salvatore before. I mean, what's the point of podcasting, right? No, you know, that, that's a good point. But it's funny. There are some other shows that jump on other shows for name dropping. It's like, wow, you just can't win. We're all doing this for free and just wanting to have a little fun. There's nothing wrong with like saying, hey, I kind of rubbed a shoulder with this famous person before. <laughs> I think there's something to that. Like, just the fact that you're like, like, and... and this of course, Marty, we'll be name-dropping really... you 
next episode. Uh, yeah, so, well, oh, gosh. <laughs> totally will. Let me tell you, that will get you nowhere, okay? I mean, you know, that and a quarter will get... No, I want to get you a cup of coffee. Never mind. I, I don't know. I think... Uh, when the guys in my game group here, I, I talked with you, they're going to be pretty excited. Oh, shucks. If you if the camera was turned on, you'd see my face turning red. If the <laughs> camera was turned on, there's no chance in the world we could maintain connectivity. But, <laughs> That's true. So, so tell me a little bit, just some of the, the, the experiences that you've had. I, like You guys have covered cons, like we've been talking about. You've talked to some really amazing people. Uh, tell me, like some of, some of your favorite moments of being part of the the, the podcast that you've been doing. Well, it, it yeah, it, so it has opened up channels to be able to talk to a lot of really cool people. And this past year, I got to go to Origins, and Tony went to Gen Con. So while I was at Origins, you know, we were still only about eight months into the show, but. I guess us having, you know, dropping the name of being on the Dice Tower Network, it just kind of got us into some doors to be able to talk to some people. So it was really cool to be able to walk around and talk to designers at uh, of different games and talk to, um, you know, uh, 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 owners of uh, companies, you know, like uh, Stephen Bonacore at uh, Stronghold Games, who is a big name in the in, in the industry and be able to talk to him and, and him call you by name and, and interview him and stuff. It was just, it's just a lot of fun to kind of have a little in and it's, it's, it's not the, uh, you know, I guess you get a little starstruck, but then what's, what's neat is now you got these people's ear and you can ask them questions and stuff that you've always wanted to ask. Hey, how did you design this game? Where'd you come up with this idea? And so just being able to have that experience. Plus it was kind of cool at, um, origins, um, Tom Vassell and Eric Summer were getting ready to start a whole new video series that I guess they're going to be doing at Origins from now on where they actually bring in all the different companies uh, throughout the day and talk about the new games that are going to be released. And they ask if they need somebody to help them out. And I was there and I said I would do it. So I basically ran second camera for them. So I was the guy that was like taking uh, shots of the table as they were playing games. And it was just, I mean, they were just having name after name of people coming through and it was just really cool to just kind of be a part of that and meet all those people and then I guess Tony got to experience the same sort of thing when he went to Gen Con and he was walking around on the floor with the mic and talking to a lot of different people and he really enjoyed that too oh and I got to uh, talk to and meet Kevin Sorbo that was kind of cool (laughs) (laughs) I loved that show I just remember that. Yeah, so I had a press pass at Origins, and everybody that had a press pass had the opportunity to go talk to the guest of honor, which was Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo. And I wasn't going to, and my wife said, you better go in there and say that you met Kevin Sorbo. So so I did. And what was kind of cool was, before I had gone in there, I'd read a little bit up on him, and um, he professes to be a Christian. Oh, he's in some, some big league you know, Christian movie these days. Yes, yes. And so it was funny. So everybody was talking to him about his whole thing with uh, Hercules and whatnot and, and what he was doing. And uh, and then he, he kind of started alluded to dealing with some of the pressures and issues of Hollywood if where you don't think the way they do, they don't really appreciate it. So kind of towards the end of the session, my, my one question was to so say, let me ask you, you, you know, you, you're a Christian. Do you run into a lot of, a lot of roadblocks in Hollywood? And you know, do you have to kind of deal with that and he went yeah I, I really do and sometimes you know if you speak your mind he was just and then he goes into the all the troubles and tribulations that he goes through of being in a very non-christian friendly environment and trying to do his job huh. so that that's definitely the kind of situation that 
you go in going, <laughs> I'm here to meet Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> yeah. And you end up coming out with some actually good information. Yeah, so he, he was really cool. You know, I'm having uh, I, I'm a mental blank. I wish we had a uh, a chat room right now that could that could feed me information. But do you guys remember when that show first came out? It actually came oh out. Uh, it wasn't a standalone show. Uh, it was this weird kind of series where every I think there were four shows in this one series, and each week of the month it would be one of the shows. And there was another one of the shows that I absolutely loved, and I can never find any information about it because I don't remember what it was called. But it was about uh, it was set in New Orleans. It was a Vietnamese immigrant in New Orleans, and uh, he was a martial artist, and he you know beat people up basically uh, because they were bad. But uh, for whatever reason, those two shows, uh, Hercules and this one that I can never remember, have always stuck in my brain. And, like I must have loved them or something when I was a kid. And uh, so yeah, I wish that I wish I knew what that was. The, I mean, I was. I mean, the, the second you said I'm going to talk, I'm, I'm going to talk about this series that happened about involving Hercules. I was thinking, okay, there was Hercules, there was Xena, there was Jack of all trades. Because I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that's all right. I'm sure the internet. I'll, I can search the internet at some time. So Marty, tell us what kind of games do you guys enjoy playing? Well. Pretty much any type of board game. Tony and I first kind of got our love into into gaming in the early 2000s when we both got into the Lord of the Rings uh, collectible card game. Oh, really? Uh, that's around yeah, that's around the time the uh, movies came out, and that was done by Decipher, who also was doing the Star Wars card game at the time. Um, and it was my brother-in-law that kind of showed me the game, and I kind of got into it and got Tony into it. And then all of a sudden, we were just in card games. And we went through this phases of trying of all these different CCGs and really blowing a lot of money because yeah, of that. Yeah, been there. Um, yeah, so I'm, all of us have, right? So through, whether it be Magic or, or whatnot, you go through some sort of collectible game phase and you're just dropping loads of money. So I said, I got to put a stop to this. And so we started getting more into traditional card games. Uh, not card games, board games. Um, you know, And I started out with the, well, let's see, what is, I didn't even know what the term gateway game was. What's a good game to start with? And immediately the Settlers of Qatar mm-hmm. came up and Ticket to Ride. So I started kind of going from there. And now it's just, I kind of enjoy everything. And I think I've dabbled in a little bit of everything at this point. I mean, when it comes to board games, I've dabbled in every genre there was, like everybody else has, worker placement, resource management, uh, deck building, whatever. But then a few years back, I said, well, I'm going to try my hand at miniature gaming. And I got into War Machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, tr- tried that for a little bit. And then uh, around that time, I said, hey, let's get into some role-playing games. And I got a little group together and started doing a few role-playing games here and there. Here and there. So I definitely wanted to test all the waters of the different types of uh, gaming that was out there. So like you mentioned, Jack of All Trades, we're kind of the same way. We do a little bit of it all. So, so talk to me a little bit about how you found Netrunner and how it entered into your life. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, that's Net actually. Runner. I mean, that's actually how how our relationship kind of started. You hopped up on Twitter and introduced yourself and said, "Hey, you know, we want to do something with you guys." And then before I knew it, I was talking about Netrunner, and you were. I was begging you for tips on how to get my deck together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so Tony and I have always said I've established this point. Tony and I love our card games, mm-hmm. and at that time. Uh, right before Netrunner came out, uh, Fantasy Flight, the year before, released their uh, Lord of the Rings LCG game, um, which uh, obviously we were big into Lord of the Rings, and so we, we tried this, and it was more of a, of a co-op game. 
we, we kind of thought it was okay, but then we heard that uh, they were going to be re-releasing Netrunner. Neither one of us had played that in the 90s when it came out, so I started doing a little research on it and told Tony, I said, Tony, this, this thing got a lot of buzz back then in the 90s and was a highly acclaimed game, and it was uh, uh, designed by Richard Garfield, who did uh, Magic the Gathering. So we kind of kept our eye on it, and when the, the day it was released, um, I think it came out around Gen Con, we, we placed our orders and got a couple core sets, and it took us a while to get through the rules. I mean, it was... It was kind of complicated to me. I kept making a lot of mistakes, or we made a lot of mistakes as we played through. But then we kind of started getting into it. And both of us really loved to deck build. And we liked the LCG format because it's not as cost prohibitive as what a CCG is because you just get one pack a month and you get all the cards. You ain't got to search for rares or whatnot. And so we kind of got into it. And then we both loved the um, asymmetric... I don't know. It's uh, it's an asymmetric game. I was mm. gonna I was gonna make up a word asymmetricy. <laughs> That's pretty cool. If that doesn't exist, I'm I gonna think, put we, that I think in we should make it a word. Let's let's call the good people of the Oxford English Dictionary and make this a thing. If selfie's a word now, <laughs> yeah. I think asymmetricy. <laughs> but anyway, we love the concept of uh, whichever role you're playing, court runner. It's totally different, and that is really that is really neat. That the the rules are different each sides, the cards are different each sides, and. So we just kind of got into it. Luckily, we had a nice little core group locally that played too, which really helped. So we had about four or five of the people in the Netrunner. There was a local store here that would run Netrunner tournaments every month or so. And so we just kind of got into it and stayed into it like that. But I think that was the thing, that there was a community here, and there still is a community here that exists. In fact, we're going to be getting ready for a tournament at the beginning of March to go and play. Now, we aren't heavily competitive. There are uh, one of the guys uh, here actually won the regionals and went to uh, Fantasy Flight last fall for the World Championships. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we got some guys here that are really, really good. So I'm, I know I'm not going to compete against those guys because those are the guys that are playing on um, Vassal, you know, every night playing online with other people trying to tune their decks. And it's like, eh, I'm not that competitive. So I'm, I'm good with just a casual playing and a tournament every so often. Very cool. So have have you gotten your decks tuned yet? I mean, are y'all still playing? I, I, I have not recently been able to get anybody together because you, you're very fortunate in the fact that you said that you the, the big thing was getting the community, like the local group of you together uh, with Tony and with the other people that you play with because right now I'm trying to spread the joys of Netrunner to the people around me. And uh, I keep begging people, I have decks that have yet to be tried. Come over and let me teach you this game. <laughs> Is it is it the complexity that keeps people away? It's it's a number of things. I'm still trying to garnish a a gamer community in my in my local area. I I, I have burgeoning gamers just popping up left, right, and sideways, but they're still very young in the ways. And so it's it's kind of hard to introduce a new game for some. It, it really is in a lot of ways. It's still a very new hobby. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, a lot of us have been doing it for a long time, but it, it's just beginning to kind of hit that place where I don't want to say it's mainstream because it's nowhere near mainstream, but it is beginning to pick up people who maybe haven't been already playing an RPG or already maybe a big video gamer or a big Lord of the Rings fan or whatever. It's starting to pick up just folks all over the place. That said, uh, you guys know... Our local community took a huge hit this last month uh, because our local game store closed. And that's been so much... 
that's been so difficult for us. We had a big gaming group, probably 20 people, easy every week. And having to go through the transition of finding a new place and all of that, uh, it's just a, it's such a sad thing that that store closed. Um, and we talked a little bit about that, I think, a couple episodes back. But, uh, you know, it actually ends up we are now meeting in a church. <laughs> so that uh, that's an interesting thing, especially with the connections to this show. Um, but, you know, we're uh, the good news is that the group was really bonded together. And so we are able to carry on, even though the store is not there hosting every every week anymore. Well, that, that's also something we can bring up, uh, Marty. You talk a lot about the fact that you have that local gaming group. And in fact, I know a handful of times when you don't lose the footage, uh, you have a lot of interviews <laughs> with the, the guys at your local gaming group. So oh, I was wondering, funny. I was wondering how did how did that get started? Was it like a meetup? Did you, was there already gamers existing, and you just kind of collected them, or? All right, so I'm so that that struck me. As I funny. couldn't help it. I had to bring it up. Man. That, that's that's hilarious. Tony's gonna love that. Anyway, um, so let's see. It's been one, two, three. I guess I guess almost th- three years ago. It's either three or four years ago. Uh, so Tony and I have been playing for years and years and years. And three or four years ago, I, we had just kind of started wondering, is there another group around? I had never used Meetup before. I didn't even know the site existed. And just by chance, I got on there and said, well, I'm curious. Let me see if there are other gamers around. It just so happened that there was a gentleman in Charlotte who we soon became friends with who was going to start a board gaming uh, club. And it, we found out about it a week before his first uh, event, which took place at um, a, a local restaurant. And so I told Tony, maybe we should go check this out. So we went there, and there were about 10 people there. And he said, yeah, I'm, he said he's been playing for, for a few years and, and just kind of wanted to see if there was a community that existed. At that time, we didn't have a really good local game store. And so we didn't have that as a, as a good option for us. And really, it kind of took off from there. And this guy kind of just spearheaded it and said, all right, so, you know, here's a place that we meet. Uh, we met there a couple times, found out it was too loud, didn't work. And he found another uh, restaurant that had a loft that they would give us like twice a month. Well, it's actually just started out at once a month. And then we just started kind of getting the, the word of mouth out. And then, so fast forward three years later, we're meeting once a week. Uh, there's one in, uh, I'm in South Charlotte. There's a meeting in, Lo- in North Charlotte one week. The other three are take place in South Charlotte at that one particular restaurant, one on a Wednesday, two on Tuesdays. Wow. And now we are averaging 30 to 40 people each week. Wow. I know. And it's just, it's just by word of mouth and, and, and getting other people involved. The whole idea, this guy was like, I want to introduce people to the world of gaming. So we try to make the events as very casual friendly as possible. If somebody walks in and we don't know them, one of the, uh, one of the officers will go grab them and say, Hey, glad you can make it. What are you interested in? And we'll sit down with them and make sure they get into a, a game that they can easily understand. Everybody is willing to accept new players. Everybody understands if I if they put a game out on the table, they'll probably have to teach the rules to somebody. And actually, uh, you, you know, with a group like that, you can get people that kind of rub you wrong. The president of this club is kind of that guy. He's like, um, he's had to tell people before, you can't come back. 
he, he would get complaints from people and he would like approach them and say, look, you need to, uh, you need to calm down. And if they don't, he just tells them, look, you're, you're not really welcome back anymore. And that sounds harsh, but what it has done, it has made a really tight-knit core group of that 30 to 40 people. And we have 500 people that's a part of this meetup. Now, obviously, most of them just you know like our group and never come. But the fact is, there's a lot of people that see us now. So, that, so you've not only been successful, you've, you've just seen a constant kind of growth in that. Is there is there any kind of overall type of game that you see getting played or is it just a little bit of everything it it honestly is a little bit of everything so we we almost have a rule not a rule it's kind of accepted that don't play any two-player games at this event uh table space is limited so we want to make sure we utilize the space as well as possible so we usually try to make sure please make sure you bring a game where four or five people can play and then after that we just have a bunch of different types of games uh typically uh and what's so cool about a group this size, there's people buying all the latest, greatest stuff to where you don't have to buy it. And now I'm telling this for the whole the world to hear, and they're going to realize I'm taking advantage of these people. <laughs> I don't have to go pay $70 for Caverna because I know two other people that have it, and I can ask them to bring it on a Tuesday night, and I'll still get to play it. Yeah, Luke, Luke knows, did, what, didn't you just say like a couple episodes ago that you got to play Caverna at a, at a game group? No, uh-uh, I haven't played it yet. Uh, but we do have that same situation where, you know, there's enough of us that one of us is going to buy a game every, maybe, maybe we buy a game once every six months, but there's enough of us that if we all buy a game once every six months, we've got a pretty good supply of games rolling in. Uh, and I, I imagine with a group of your size, it's probably even more, but at any given time, we have at least three, sometimes five tables going. So there's a, there's a lot of games being played. Yeah. And what's happening with us, you ask about, is there a certain type of game that you see being played? It is amazing because with all these people buying new games, there's games constantly rolling through the club. There used to be this one gentleman that came every time, brought Agricola, and always played Agricola. And so there were some staple games, but I think as people uh, start playing more games, they want to try more games. It used to be people were uncomfortable learning a new game because that can be intimidating. But everybody's kind of getting to the point that I want to learn a new game. So we're constantly seeing the new stuff come through uh, on the tables, which is really neat. And what happens now is uh, somebody will post in the meetup forums, hey, I want to bring this game and teach it. Anybody interested? And basically the first three or four people to sign up, well, they get to play. For example, I got Planet Steam from Fantasy Flight over the holidays, and there were some people that were interested in that. So I posted, hey, I've got a couple seats left over for Planet Steam for anybody that wants to play. And I'll bring that out on the table. And that may be the only time I ever bring it, but at least those people that wanted to play it will get a chance to try it once. Has, has there been anything that somebody's brought that you either didn't know of or like wanted to play but hadn't picked it up yet that, that you got to play because of doing the, the meetup? Oh, constantly. I mean, like a prime example was uh, a Caverna. You know, I'd never gotten to play that before. I've always wanted to play Bruges. That came to the table a couple weeks okay. ago. Do me a favor. Tell me a little bit about that because that that is a game that I've heard that name just tossed around left, right, and sideways. I know nothing about it. It is a game designed by. Oh my gosh, uh, 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 Feld, um, Feldman, Feld, Stefan Feld, Stefan. Thank you, Feldman. That's all. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's um, it's eleven thirty eight here, so my mind's kind of yeah. going. Uh, okay, so uh, yes, so anyway, it's designed by him, so it's a, a famous designer. So uh, the whole concept is, is pretty simple. It's in a, it's in a city of of Bruges. The idea is that you're trying to build canals, and um, you do that through a management of of cards. Some people aren't crazy about the game because they say it's not a strict euro because there's luck involved with drawing of the cards and you can get over it it's a it's a euro game i mean it, it, and uh, so the idea is that you get cards in your hand and your cards can do multiple functions you can use your cards as a building in order to host people in that building that do other things for you uh, you can use the cards to to garner workers that you can put into buildings that you can do things for. You can use a card to play a certain color to build a certain color canal on the track. That's what's so slick about the cards. There's like five, five or six, four or five, six different colors of cards. And they all can do one of three or four things. And so it's getting those cards and using those cards at the right time. Do I build a canal? Do I build a building? Do I put a person in this building to occupy the building, which gives me a special ongoing ability over the course of the game? In the end, the whole goal is to get the most victory points. Most victory points wins. But um, then there, oh, there's the concept. There's a dice roll uh, concept too, to where um, depending on what the dice roll is, uh, if it's if it's five or or sixes, bad things happen where you have to take these conditions, and if you get four of a certain type condition, you may lose a canal piece, you may lose a building, you may lose all your money, so you have to mitigate that. You may have to discard a card of a particular color to get rid of one of those bad pieces that potentially affect you. So there is a lot going on. I've played it twice. Twice? Yes. The first time I was like, oh, I'm not sure what's going on. Second time I was like, okay, I'm starting to get this now. So if you ever get a chance to play it, it's it may sound complicated, but it's really not. It's it's easy to pick up, especially if somebody's teaching you. I, I've pretty much set that as a rule for games because, like I said, I'm kind of growing the community, and there's there. I think most of them have kind of gotten at that level where I don't have to give this speech anymore. But at the beginning, I had to start every time I taught a game. I had to start with. All right, I'm going to tell you the rules, and it's going to sound impossible. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to play once around the table, and you guys are going to get this. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know yeah. you know my thing. I, I wish every time we started a game, we played with a dummy round. Because yeah. it, it's... Okay, so last night, two nights ago, whenever it was, at uh, game night, I, I actually played Battlestar Galactica for the first time. Which I know it's a little bit ridiculous, but there's a reason for it. We hey, used, I, no, I have yet, to, I, I have yet to get it to the table, and I just played for the first time a month ago. We really? uh, we used to meet at the game store where the game store had a hard close. They closed at a certain time, and so we had a specific window. Battlestar is long. <laughs> and, oh yeah, like three hours, if not more. And well, and plus setup time, and there were two new players, myself included. So there was some ex- explanation going on. Um, so that's why we hadn't been able to bring a game like that. Now we can in this new location because we have a bit of a softer time. We kind of end when everybody starts to turn into a pumpkin. And uh, <laughs> But just listen to these guys try to describe the game. And there's three people who've played, and so they're all kind of describing at the same time. And the new guy and I both look at each other and go, What? <laughs> and finally we just said, Just play. We've played enough games. We'll figure it out. And uh, so we get playing. And of course, the two new guys 
end up being the two Cylons. And so we're just like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and, uh, but we did figure it out pretty quick. And, uh, but it does. There is, uh, there is still very few games with excellent teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish that more games had better teaching mechanics. Maybe uh, like a mini scenario that teaches the game that you play through the scenario. Those kind of things. I, I still feel like rule books. And boy, howdy, we had two times during the day when we had somebody was reading a rule out loud from the Battlestar Galactica rule book. And if it didn't sound like wah 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 wah. I can't tell you what does. It was just, it was literally like, put widget A inside thingamabob B, and, and uh, you can't understand this stuff. It's just, what? And uh, so I, I really feel like rule books are still a major hindrance to the hobby. Yeah, and it's funny that uh, you, you talked about wanting to play a dummy round, or oh, y'all just want to go around one time to see how it plays. I was that type of, let me tell you the rules, then we'll start playing, because I felt like, you know, everybody's going to have a certain strategy, and if you don't understand the rules, you can't develop a strategy. It, strategy. it was my wife that said, please stop doing that. She said, teach me enough, let's start playing, and I'll get it. And I found that by doing it that way, people pick up the game a lot quicker. Granted, yes, three or four uh, turns in, they may realize, oh boy, I really should have done this one turn ago, but I just didn't know how this game worked. So when I do it that way, there's always the caveat, look, just play once, learn the rules, second time try to win. See, we have actually a bit of a a problem. We tend to really like the cult of the new. And so Mm -hmm. we we don't do a good job of bringing games back out again. Now, certain ones, of course, we do that are you know, the big standard games that we play all the time. But we're not real good about bringing the game back again and playing it a second time. I wish, I, I hope we get better at that. Right. And we fall into that too. There is a, uh, I have some friends of mine that come over like every month or so, and two of them are not in the game group, so they don't play a lot of games. And I always give them priority. What games do you want to play? And they don't want to learn a new game every time they come over. So, like, every time they come over, they always want to play Puerto Rico. And I'm okay with that. I think it's a great game. But it's one of those they know they can just sit down at the table and play without me going through all the rules. So, I totally understand about that. If you teach something, get it back to the table again so they can have another shot at it. And because I'm a cult of the new sort of guy thing, too. Yeah, well, it's such a different experience when you play a game and you really know what's going on. And you're able to sit down. I think until you do that, you really don't crock the game. Until you've got a cup. At least the majority of the table has played the game before. And you're really vying against each other or with each other if it's a cooperative game. Um, you know, I, I, I do think we miss out with the, uh, the cult of the new thing. But that said, I like new games too. <laughs> Especially when somebody else is buying them. I don't have to. Yeah. No. yeah. So what about you, so, Mike? Have you been playing anything uh, new recently or anything uh, at all? I've been... I've been I've been trying so hard to get people to play things. It's I, you'd think that it would be an easy thing just to say I have this collection of games, come and play them. But I have I've hit a dry spell like you would not believe between uh, all the stuff that's going on in the past couple months with like like we just had the Super Bowl 
and and Valentine's Day is coming up and all this ridiculousness. I can't buy a game these days. I I, I don't know. I've, I've hit the dry spot, which is why I'm sitting here just listening to your guys' stories about regularly occurring game groups, and I'm just trying to get one started. Just like, oh, that must be nice. Oh, that must be wonderful. <laughs> um, Have you tried Meetup? I haven't tried Meetup yet because uh, we're kind of we're kind of trying this as an experiment right now, and I, I, I won't go too much into it because we've talked about it a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. But um, we wanted to get a group that really started to gel together. Like we didn't want to have a big group. We kind of wanted to be more small and more mm. get to know this group of people kind of event. And right. I think once we get through the everyone's super busy time of, of the beginning of the year here, I think we're going to settle into that and it's going to be awesome. But right now we're just into the we just got started vibe. Um, but kind of talking about, you know, you talking about the cult of the new. Uh, Marty, is there anything that you kind of see coming that, that you're really looking forward to or, or even stuff that you've kind of We've kind of had a couple months now into the year, or a month and a little bit of the year. Uh, something that you've played recently, it's like a new release that's really gotten you excited. I know you guys talked a lot about Robinson Crusoe. That's kind of new. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's funny. I was really into Robinson Crusoe to the last time I played, <laughs> and it kicked our tails. And I don't like it anymore. <laughs> I was I was really really frustrated the last time I played that game because I felt like everything went against us and I felt like almost halfway through there was no chance that we were going to win and we didn't and after it was over it's like I, I don't know if I want to play that game anytime soon it's a brutal game I, I've heard that it's pretty much uh absolutely I don't I don't want to say I didn't want to go with brutal but that's kind of the word that gets said a lot <laughs> the absolutely punishing nature of that game Yes, it is. And uh, I've also been playing a lot of Eldritch Horror that came out uh, like November of last year. That can be bad too, kind of like Arkham Horror can really just sneak up on you and just kick your tail. Um, I've I've heard it's not as bad with the, oh, we're winning, oh, we're dead. I I heard it's not as bad as Arkham Horror. It's not. We did play the other night, and it kind of got to the point to where we realized we really don't have a lot of chance of winning, and we should have just stopped and just gave up. But we kept on going, and it was just kind of a gruesome, slow death towards the end. <laughs> Thus is the nature of the Lovecraftian universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, no, you're right. It wasn't like the, we're going to win, we're going to win. We just lost. No, it, Which Arkham can do. So it wasn't like that, but... Um, as far as other games, so I did mention uh, Caverna. I have only played that once, and I mentioned this on, on our show, and I know everybody's just shocked by it. I've never played Agricola, so I can't compare Agricola to Caverna. <laughs> and when I played Caverna, everybody else had played Agricola, and they they just tore me up. I mean, I was way behind. I said, oh, you're supposed to feed your people every turn. Okay, I guess <laughs> I should have thought about that. Um Games that are coming out that I think is getting a lot of buzz. Have y'all heard about um, Dead of Winter by Plat Hat Games? I, I, yeah, I, I want Dead of Winter bad. It looks amazing, and and I have a love affair with all things Plat Hat. Yep, yep. and uh, so my wife uh, pre-ordered it for me for 
It's either my birthday or Valentine's Day. My birthday was last week, so one of those. Because <laughs> nothing, nothing says love like winter and zombies. <laughs> exactly. But what sold me on that game was I love any game that can take a well-established dynamic and put a little bit of a twist into it. Um, you know, like prime example, I. I Dominion, I used to be a big Dominion fan, then Thunderstone came out, and it put a little twist into it that I just really enjoyed. Well, for me, with Dead of Winter, the co-op thing is the twist of, it's a co-op game, everybody needs to work together to win, but everybody has their own secret personal objective, and it's that little twist that I think that can make it a really fun, exciting game. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's taking that survival horror aspect and kind of giving it almost like a hidden roles kind of thing as well. And right, it, and it, it it's the combining of genres that really it it really is what Plaid Hat does. It, they they take what is the normal way of doing things and kind of tweak it. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, um, I'm also kind of right now into games to where uh, as you the game grows with you or changes each time you play. Um, for example, I, you know, if anybody listened to any of our stuff from last year, I was a big Pathfinder fan, a card game, Pathfinder, the card game. The reason why is because you take a character and you play it and he builds over time. I just love that concept. And that's why games like, um, the, uh, the new legacies type game that's coming out called uh Seafall. Yeah. See that, that really interests me. The, uh, the crossfire game from catalyst game labs that's coming out. That's in the shadow run universe has the same sort of concept as the pathfinder game. What? There's a game coming out in the, Oh, I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. So it's a, uh, so you, you pick a, uh, a character or a role, uh, in the shadow run universe and it's a co-op game, but at, at the end you, you have these stickers that you put on your card that basically level you up over time. Uh, we actually got a demo of it, and Tony and I played it last year right after Gen Con and, and really liked it. And this was just a stripped-down demo. So we've been talking to Catalyst Game Labs. It's like, look, how soon are you going to come out with this thing? And they're still in, in uh, production of trying to get all the artwork and stuff done, but I'm hoping that uh, we'll get a copy from them soon and uh, really try it because, again, we like our card game. So, but that's another one's games like Pathfinder where it advances and you get better over time. Speaking of both Plaid Hat and games that advance over time, uh, we, my family has just started playing through Mice and Mystics. Mm, yes. And uh, I think maybe I mentioned it on the last show, and, and I, I mentioned that that because I, you know, I have young kids, and when we're playing, we really didn't have time to make it through full chapters, and so we've been kind of breaking it down into tiles. Um so those uh, maybe who haven't heard the last show or don't know about Mice and Mystics, uh, kind of the hook behind the game is that there's a story that's being told as you move through the game. And each time you play, it's a different chapter in the story. Well, we got to the last board uh, of this first chapter, and we uh, we were in serious trouble when we got to that board. I thought for sure we were going to not make it. And I thought, oh, how's this going to work out? My kids aren't going to be unhappy. Are they going to want to play the next chapter? But it turns out we did make it through just barely. And here's the the really cool part, the part that just had my kids just bubbling. After we finished our playthrough, there is kind of a closing text block. that You, you read the, the end of the chapter, so to speak, in the story, right? The story played out exactly 
the way the game played out. And that's kind of fun. Oh, that's And cool. it was like, I don't know if that's just pure dumb luck or, you know, just really smart storytelling and game design. I don't know, but it was a cool experience. And my kids are like, okay, when are we going to do the next chapter, you know? And uh, <laughs> so I was so thrilled with that. I thought for sure they were going to have a negative experience, and it ended up having a really positive one. So yay, Plot Hat, we love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> We have we have a secret sub kind of plot going on with this podcast, by the way, that we're secretly trying to get the guys at Plaid Hat to uh, give us stuff. So nice. How's it going so far? It, 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 yeah, they don't even know we exist. So it, it's <laughs> fine, though. It's fine. We love I'm them anyway. To, yeah, we we love them anyway. We can't help it. But um, so let let's kind of I I kind of want to turn this. I mean, normally we have more of a smooth transition, but because this is an interview. There really is no smooth transition to, hi, this is a thing. Now let's talk about Jesus. Um, <laughs> Yay, Jesus! <laughs> nice, nice segue. <laughs> no, nothing says good segue like explaining that there is no good segue. Um, so, Marty, part of the reason that, that, that we wanted to get together with you and to talk about it is that obviously your guys' show is more about the games and is wonderful and is more about the general board game community and stuff like that. But you actually bring, much like a lot of people kind of know that Tom Vassell does a lot of work with churches and does a lot of ministry stuff, you're mm-hmm. coming with a lot of that too, right? Uh, I am. I don't really talk about it a lot on the show as, um, uh, this sounds bad. I'm not trying to separate my lives or like who I am or anything like that. It's just, you know, that's just not what the, the focus of the it's show is, the where you guys are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you guys have set it up, and it's kind of how I even found you guys because of that. Because I thought, hey, look, there is a show that's doing it. That's sweet. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. But I do a lot of stuff in the in the background that that kind of merged the two together, and it kind of came to be the first year that we went to Gen Con, which was uh, about uh, four years ago now. And uh, we went there, and I remember looking up the events and saw that there was a worship service on Sunday morning. So, so cool. <laughs> our our entire family um, went to Gen Con that year, and so I got a ticket to go to the worship service. I said, we need to go check this out. Go in there. There were over 100 people in that room. And, and uh, Real quick, I do want to say, just because I just got my Gen, my Gen Con tickets squ- uh, squirreled away and everything for this year, real, <laughs> real, real big plug, if you're going to Gen Con, make sure you get tickets for that church service because... The more people that do that, the bigger the room they get. And this past year, there were 300 people plus no way. at the church service. And partly that's because we keep getting more and more people sign up for the tickets. Okay, that plug done. Can, please continue on. <laughs> oh, 300? That must have been it was, awesome. It was, I, I said it when we talked about Gen Con this past year. It's, it was my favorite part of the con. I know, isn't that isn't that awesome? That uh, so many people. I mean, it's kind of like uh, gaming is a subculture, and then within the subculture, there's this other culture, yeah. that, you know, that just puts everybody together. But anyway, so yeah, we went to the uh, the worship service for the first time, and you know, if for anybody that hasn't ever been there, it's not really fancy. They try to get somebody that can carry a tune and sing a few songs, and and when you get that many uh, people together, you know, it's all different 
types of denominations and it's really tough to you may they may sing a song you don't know or you know you may know it but a lot of other people don't but anyway you you go through that and then there's a, a little sermon um some years i've been did they do it last year where they have a uh, communion at the end yes did yep. they do that by chance yep, that yeah where Yep. So they typically do that too. And it's not an in your face thing. It's just like, hey, a bunch of Christians are going to get together at a gaming convention. We're going to have a worship hour. Then we're going to go back out on the floor and game. And I was so impressed by that going, wow, that is cool. It is so neat to know that there are other gamers who, who are also Christians because there are more non-Christians, obviously, than, than there are. And so you run into a lot of different things when you hang around with a lot of gamers and who don't have a lot of Christian tendencies. So it was nice to make that connection. So uh, what happened was I kind of hooked up with the guy who ran that service, which um, was a Christian Gamers Guild. Yep. And uh, so I kind of joined there. They have a Yahoo group mailing list. And I joined them and, and kind of followed them for a bit. And uh, we ended up having a... Um, there's another group called Fans for Christ mm-hmm. that um, also they kind of work together. And we have a couple local cons here. One's called Mace. One's called Con Carolinas. And so there was going to be – I contacted a guy from FFC, Fans for Christ, and said, hey, you doing a service here? And he says, uh, yeah, I would. Would you like to help? And I said, I, I would love to. So my son plays guitar, and uh, they needed somebody to play guitar while somebody led the singing. So the past couple years at Mace – and um, at Con Carolinas, we've kind of done that. Uh, at a small convention uh, last uh, at Scarab in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, we did the same thing. Well, last year we had the opportunity to go to Origins. And I knew Dave Mattingly, who's the guy that kind of runs the service there. Dave, Dave's a good uh, guy. I, I met, he's I met awesome him at guy. Gen Con, and he and I talk every once in a while. He's a good guy. Yeah, he, he is. And um, so he was like, hey, I need some help with, with music. And I said, again, my son can do it. And he said, I don't have anybody that can sing. And I said, I, I, okay, I'll, I'll try it. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a musician. I play keyboards for a band and whatnot, but I do not sing. And there's a reason why I don't <laughs> sing. And the peop, people there that Sunday morning found out there's a reason why I don't sing. But that was really cool. It, the, the crowd at the Origins obviously is not going to be as big. I think uh, last year the number of people in that service was maybe 30, 35. I mean, it's not bad. It's not Gen Con size. It doesn't matter. As long as at least two were gathered, we, we had an awesome time. So uh, so I've really gotten involved with them. That's why whenever I go to an, a convention, I always find out is C, um, uh, Christian, CGG or FC, FFC going to be there because I want to help out. Uh, big, oh, actually, there was a huge worship service last year at Dragon Con in Atlanta, and um, FFC does that, and they got a huge room, and there were hundreds of people in that one, too. It was a good crowd at the Dragon Con service, and that was really See, good. See, that would be, I can only imagine that a Dragon Con service would be truly amazing, because you're probably getting a whole bunch of the cosplayers in their costumes, because they don't have time to run back to their hotel rooms to get into it. <laughs> Oh, I took pictures. It was awesome. Yes, there were cosplayers all over the place. And it was so, you know, interesting. You'd see people, you know, wearing a Transformers uniform, standing up with their hand raised, worshiping as they were singing. It was just, it was a surreal experience. Um, But that was really neat. Oh, another thing that really got, I mean, turned on too, that I found out the whole, well, look, there's this whole other uh, Christian gaming thing, was a game church. Yep was at Gen Con the first year we were there. And that was their first year there. 
And I'll never forget going up to their booth. And uh, have y'all seen y'all their booth? I was actually at their booth at Gen Con this past year. Okay, so you helped them out. So you know they got the big uh, poster of uh, Jesus holding a game controller in his hand, right? They've actually got one for for Gen Con now. That's he's holding a D twenty. Nice, nice. So so when it was in, it was a, a controller, and so you walk up there, and I'm like, okay, are y'all making fun of this, right? Or is it serious? They get so, that a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, it it yeah. So I so I stopped to him and I said, so so what what do y'all do? Oh, we're just we're just here to tell you that uh, Jesus loves you. I said, okay, but what else? That's it. You said you want a free Bible? Yeah. And I went, really? He said, yeah, that's it. We're not an in your face thing. We just want to let people know that we as Christians can come out here and we can play games and have a wonderful time. And we just want to let people know that you know there's nothing weird about that and that Jesus loves you. I said, that is awesome. Can I get a T-shirt? <laughs> and it was like, yeah, just like us on Facebook. I got my whole family hey, over there. Everybody like on Facebook. We're all getting free T-shirts. It was, it was really kind of fun because Gen Con for me this past year was just an, ex- an exploration. I didn't know anything about Gen Con. I certainly uh, – Inroads wasn't a thing yet, like our overarching ministry attempt. We hadn't started that yet. So it was just I'm going for the podcast but not really. And so I ended up – hooking up with Derek White, the geek preacher, and he got me uh, sitting at the Fans for Christ Christian Gamers Guild booth, and I had been talking to Game Church guys online since Game Church was in beta. And so I found myself hopping back and forth between the two booths, and it really is interesting because, in a way, it was kind of a microcosm of the whole aspect of, of church, like Big C Church, that you know we're all kind of doing things from a different angle towards the glory of God because game church was literally just like you said, we're here to tell you that Jesus loves you moving on. Like, like that was, that was their thing. Whereas over at, at the fans for Christ, the Christians gamers guild, we got into more like deep conversations. We talked about all this stuff. I had guys talking about their issues with the faith and all that. We, and we were talking about that stuff over there. So it was cool that all that was coming together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, have you had any, like you said, you're doing a lot of the local cons and stuff like that. I'm always curious because for me so far, my experiences have been fairly positive, even in situations that aren't exactly, you know, Christian friendly, like Gen Con, like we make a big deal of 300 people, but you realize that 50,000 people showed up to Gen Con. Right. And 300 of them got together for a Sunday morning service. Right, like, small percentage. Right. So at your your local cons, are you seeing hostility? Are you seeing uh, just welcoming? Or are you seeing a kind of a mixture of both? No, it's I don't see a lot of hostility at all. You, you do get a lot of people that kind of walk by the table and, and like maybe like taking a little back, but nobody ever says anything. Um, everybody, we put signs up all over the uh, – It's we have Mace in a hotel – uh, down in the uh, conference rooms, we put posters all over the place, and it's not like people are ripping down posters or writing anything on the posters. Everybody's really respectful. In fact, if anything, they're curious. They're, it's it's the wow. So you're Christians and you play RPGs? Yeah, <laughs> I thought y'all thought D and D was of the devil. I said, well, no, that was some people back in the eighties that just didn't know what they were talking we, about. We have those too, but. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But um, so no, no, it hasn't been hostile, at, hostile at all. And plus, 
I don't know if it makes a difference, but I am in North Carolina, which is is the Bible Belt. So you, you know, there's a there's a church on every corner. So people are kind of used to seeing it around here anyway. Mm. So I don't know whether it would be different in other places, but I never sensed any of that hostility either uh, when I was helping out at, uh, at the Origins over the past couple of years either. So how how do you think that you know our our big thing is is that we we bring our faith to the table. It's not something that we lay on top of our gaming. It's something that we come to the table as gamers who happen to love Jesus. And we see that impact the games. We see that we, we see our faith kind of jump off the board as it were. Have, have you kind of experienced that both with the games themselves and because you've been doing this podcast now for a while, have you kind of seen how that interacts with your faith? Well, like you said, it's when I sit down at the table, I can't think of a lot of experiences where I've had the opportunity to, to witness or share or anything like that. I do try to approach it as that, um, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. How do, how do I act? You know, most people know that I'm, I'm a Christian, uh, a church goer. And it's one of those things where you always hear that if people know that, they're going to watch you a little bit more closely. How do you act? Are you a hypocrite? You know, do you do things that you shouldn't do? So I try to keep my rage quits and <laughs> table flipping to a minimum because I figure that would uh, hurt my uh, my witness a little bit. But what it, it has provided me is that as you do share a little bit here and there, hey, what else do you do? Oh, well, some, one of my easy ways just to kind of get into it is to play in a band. I happen to play in a church band. Oh, really? Yeah, I go to this church, blah, blah. You know, just little things to kind of stick it in. And you may find that other people are also Christians and and I've actually tried over the past year or so to actually get a gaming study group, a uh, small group going, and it's not been very successful. I think the most we went were about two months of getting together like every other week, and we would do a, a Bible study, then have like a, a game afterwards. And the whole purpose was to, like you were trying to do with your uh, small gaming group, get a good core and then go from there. I kind of want to do the same thing where we had a good core of Christian gamers where eventually we would use this as a ministry to go out to schools or libraries or sponsor events at churches as a means to uh, not only to uh, non-Christians to show that, hey, uh, you know, there are other gamers out there as Christians, you know, we play games and we're not judging you because it's funny that uh, a lot of people still think we would judge somebody because they play a game, which is really sad, but that's the way it is. But it's also just promotes community. Games promote community, and that is always my big thing. Uh, people pick on me because I don't come into a game having read all the rules and read all the strategies and uh, not trying to do everything I can to possibly win because I'm more about the fellowship more than anything else. And that's the way I wanted to kind of treat this small group if it, if it had taken off. The problem was, was every member of the small group was also a member of another church, and we just had a lot of conflict conflicts and timing and getting people together because everybody was so involved in their own thing so uh, that's kind of where i have taken it i would love to still do something else and that's why i was really impressed when you guys started your inroads ministries because i thought hey you know if you guys are going to start something and be a source for maybe somebody like me who wants to do something in my own community i can see how other people have done it well lord willing that's what we're gonna do (laughs) We're, 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 you know, we're still early days, but Lord willing, that's how this is going to end up. Just being able to 
both uh, hit gamers and just provide that that touch point because you know we've often said that a lot of us were out there doing stuff thinking that we were the only ones doing it because mm-hmm. none of us knew the other ones existed. So kind of a, a gathering point, but then also to to really get both you know the, the, get the gamers excited about it and to get the gamers into their churches and to get people equipped to to use what they love to to share the gospel of Christ. So that's that's ideally how this ends up. Yeah, and so I think that'd be a fantastic uh, resource uh, when you and when you get up and going. It's uh, it's it's funny that uh, you know I talked about. Um, you you ask was there any hostility from um, gamers towards us as we tried to run these little conventions? I mean, uh, services and whatnot. You know, I actually met more hostility from people from, with in my own church. Oh, yeah, about, we've all yeah. experienced that. Um, because um, we tried to, so I said we tried to start a gaming small group, and I remember there was this one Sunday to where they wanted all the small group leaders to set up at a table and then people can go by and kind of pick a small group they're interested in. So me and my wife had a table and we had like games set out. We thought, hey, this will draw people in. There's dice and whatnot. And so we'd had people come by and there was this one lady that said, what do you do? We told them and we said, you know, there's role-playing games and blah, blah. She said, wait a minute. She said, I thought I thought D&D was, was bad and, and that you shouldn't play that. And I'm like, really? That stigma still exists? But it, we got... We got no interest, none, zilch, zero. It's such a shame, too, like, because gaming is such a good way to build friendships. Yep. I mean, forget everything else. Uh, it's just an awesome way to bond. And, uh, you know, I feel like in some local, in my local church experience, I miss that a little bit. You know, I go to a church that's a little bit bigger, not huge. I'm a little bit bigger, and so sometimes you don't know the guy you're sitting next to in the pew. You know, most yep. of the time you don't know who you're sitting next to in the chair. They're not actually pews. Sorry, old school. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. yeah we got chairs. Too. We're good. <laughs> but uh, you know, it'd be such an amazing way to build fellowship, and we really hope that we're going to be able to, at least in some places, be able to get that message out there that this is an amazing way to connect with each other. There's I, but there is such a stigma is still in the church, and you're absolutely right. We get way more. I personally get way more flack from the church than I do from my gamer friends about the fact that we're Christians. Yep. Well, it's something that I can I can share now, uh, kind of as we're we're getting close to wrap up time here. Uh, a really cool opportunity is coming up with. Uh, I have a buddy who is. I don't know if he's. I, in charge of this local collection of people from the denomination. Uh, I go to a Christian missionary Alliance church and our denomination, a bunch of the local, like young adult ministers are coming together for this, this kind of conference. And he and I are talking about getting inroads at table to talk about what we're doing. And it's cool because there's, as much as we're saying, yeah, there's hostility within church, I think there's a growing kind of vibe that says this is a thing that we should be a part of. I just think that there's a lot of confusion about it. And so if if you guys and, and the audience, that's because this is going to happen after this, goes, this episode goes live, if you guys are going to be praying for that opportunity, we really appreciate it because 
you know, I've often said this as I talk to people about what we're trying to do with inroads. We're treading new ground here. This this is something that a lot of people that think should happen, but everyone doesn't know how to do it. And we're we're right up there with them. We have no idea what we're doing. We're trying to figure this out as we we do it. So really, just be looking for uh, prayers about this opportunity and and future opportunities. Um, you know, I'm I'm talking about with Derek White about going down to his church to do a. a weekend thing about setting up game groups and the importance of game groups and fellowship. Like these are all things that are happening. So it's, it's encouraging to me to, to kind of bring that to you guys to say stuff is moving forward, but there is still this, this kind of hostile ground we're kind of walking into. Yeah. And you know, like you said, you know, uh, it's funny. I was telling my wife, I said, why can't we find, I wish that those 300 people that, you know, at the Gen Con service were all here and we could do our own little thing. Yeah. I would love to have a church established like that because you're right. I mean, I've been going to a larger church, too, where you don't know a lot of people. And then the only thing left is the small group. And I always want to get with small groups where I have some, you know, some related uh, hobby or with or something. and. It's tough, and that's why I tried to start my own little gaming group with a bunch of other people. And like I said, it just it just never took took off. And it's my uh, my brother in law, my wife's um, brother, is a pastor, and he's a big gamer. And he's actually starting to implement gaming nights into his church, which I thought was really cool. Yes, we need more of them out there. Yep. And folks, absolutely, yeah, we, do. we do. And we want to encourage you guys if you uh, if you want to get involved in your church, maybe you want to get involved with us. To help us build this ministry, a great way to do that is just go to inroadsministries.com and check out everything else we got going there. In fact, speaking of things that are coming, we've got a cool game coming. I'm so excited about this game. Uh, Jeff Romo, part of Team Awesome, as it were, uh, has decided that he wants to do a play-by-post, which is something that's new to me. Like I've known of play-by-posts. New to me, too. And in fact, part of, probably after we're done here, I'm going to put my character together and submit it so that it can get approval. Um, but he's doing what's called uh, Absalom and Shadow. It's a homebrew kind of Pathfinder thing that he's put together. And definitely check it out. Submit a character. He's got tons of information. We've got it all on the Facebook group, the Tavern. Uh, that's got it. It's And it's also on the Inroads page. Submit characters and be excited about this because it's a chance for us to get together, even if it's online, even if it's over a forum, but it's the first kind of step towards getting us together as a community to play. Absolutely. Uh, Let me uh, brag on Jeff just a little bit here. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, Jeff's amazing. (laughs) Uh, It wouldn't be what it is without him. Yeah. Well, besides his incredible administrative skills, he... uh, he has been the one who has been passionate about doing RPGs in a way where our faith can get involved in the game. Not in a way that's like explicit and, and kind of cheesy. I'm a paladin but, of Jesus. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but in a way that, that is a whole lot more nuanced and way more co- just detailed and complex and deeper. Uh, and this storyline that he's got 
uh, going. It's going to be kind of a mystery vibe, and we're going to be, you know, almost murder on the Orient Express in a fantasy world kind of a thing. Uh, sounds so awesome. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and see if there's a bunch of other people who want to play and let them play. But if there's a little bit of space for me, I'll, I'll definitely jump in there. Um, I I am making my my dwarf bard. This is happening. What do you know? You're Dro- a dwarf bard. Drogon Crazy. and song is a thing, and he is going to be in this game if I have anything to say about it. Crazy. Though, uh, I actually saw I actually saw that, and I thought, that's pretty cool. I was like, oh, I wonder if I should make a character it. for it. I'm just, I was just worried about time is the only thing. Is well, that, that's the beautiful thing about play-by-post, which is exciting for me, and, and I'm just going to put this out there in case you, people who are listening don't know this. Yeah, that's true. Play, play-by-post has a significant amount of time. It's not like... I have to be online during this time. Literally, when Jeff will post the scenario, you have, like, days to post your response before he puts up the next thing. Like, it's not, like, an instantaneous thing. So if you want to get into the experience of playing a role-playing game, but don't have the ability to to carve out, like, six hours of time, play-by-post is a fantastic way to do that. And and quite frankly, as much as I just said, you know, you know, my dwarf will be a thing. I would love it if my guy doesn't get picked for this particular game because we have so many of you guys that want to play that there's no room for my guy. I would love that. I would love that. And that would also make it, it, it will encourage us to create more of these. So if you guys are on the fence about whether or not you're going to put a character together, do it because it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to follow that. I saw that, man, he wanted like all this detail on the character, their, their history and their height and their weight. Oh, and like, he, wow. he and I were emailing back and forth about what should a character be involved. And I'm like, dude, do it like a role-playing game as, as ask the people to go deep and they will. Yeah. Well, Marty, th- I'm impressed. You know, thank you so much for hanging out with us for an hour. Uh, tell us, tell us, how can people get to know your show and all the your stuffs? Oh, okay. Well, usually I have my son do some sort of odd voice and do that. Let me see if I can remember <laughs> everything he says. Uh, um, so, yes. So, we have a website at uh, RollDiceTechNames.com. In addition, we have a Twitter. Wow. I never can say. I was going to say Twitter. It's the tweeters. We have a, a, we have the tweeters, a Twitter account at, at Dyson Names. Uh, we also have a really active uh, forum on the uh, the BGG, the uh, the oh, guild cool. pages. We have a guild page for... I'm sorry, That's what? That's cool. I didn't know that. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, so so we do, and we got a lot of people out there. That That's really where we interact with most of the people that listen to us because... Uh, this we have a segment we call the uh, at the table segment where it's almost like a a weekly question or something like that and at first we were doing it where we're going around people in our game group and recording it and putting it out there and we said why don't we post the question in our forums and we get a lot of responses a lot we get around 10 responses every time that we do it so that's kind of a way to to interact with people so if you want to check us out there we do have a guild page uh, on there uh, so rolling dice and taking names and if you want to email us it's roll dice take names at gmail.com we come out bi-weekly and we are only 32 episodes in where you guys are like way more episodes than what we got but you know we're still young yeah, yeah, you got you got that dice tower backing though, so you you bring you bring some awesomeness to the table as well. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, because you know the only thing we have to. Uh, in fact, I actually got to get with Tony because we got to. We just found out we need to do a segment. You know, they do their weekly show, and we do contributor segments. Yep. And I've got to determine what is the largest game I've ever played. So I got to think like about physically? that. Physically. Physically, the largest game I've ever played. Garage for, Floor Battletech. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. And, and I will say, it's got mentioned a bunch lately on the Dice Tower, which is ridiculous. I will say that probably the largest game I've ever played is Fireball Island. Did you guys, have you guys ever played that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is, it's ridiculousness on table, but it's so cool. You know, <laughs> you know what was even better than Fireball Island, the game? Fireball Island, the commercial. Yes. That was an awesome commercial. 80s goodness oh, all over the place. Gonna, now you're going to make me... when I, I'm going to see if I can find it on YouTube or something. <laughs> It'll be there. It'll be there. Oh, oh, I forgot. I got one more name drop for Do you. Do it. We when love we was it. Ta- we were talk- we talking about uh, doing the uh, services. What I was really impressed with was the first time I went to an origin service, Timothy Zahn was sitting there. Nice. Really? Yeah, you know, the, uh, for people who don't know, he he writes a lot of Star Wars books. So I go in there, and there's only like six people, and I'm like, man, that guy looks familiar. And then we go out to the artist alley later that afternoon, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that was Timothy Zahn. He was at the worship service. He goes there every year. I thought that was really cool. So Yeah, that that's that. if, if you get one plug in, like uh, my crowning achievement was to shake hands of Larry Elmore as he was in the Faith and Gaming panel. Oh, oh, that man. I love that man. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming out, Marty. Thank you so much for having me. I tell you, this was a lot of fun. If you never ever need somebody else to sit in this third chair, you just let me know. I'd love to do it again. Well, awesome, man. So, Mike, uh, do your bit. How do people find us? I love it. It's so much simpler these days because I can tell you to go to inroadsministries.com and click on our contact page. It has all the stuff for Luke, myself, and all the ways that you can get in touch with us. So, folks, thank you for hanging out with us. And as always, we remind you that God is the Game Master. And no matter how those dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>